As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Ohio Dirt Track Podcast. My name is Clint. And I'm Jacob. And we're glad that you are tuning back in again here for episode 23. Uh, as we start to look, as the season winds down here in Ohio, Uh, it's starting to feel like fall just a little bit, which means that winter is coming quickly. But we still have some things going on. Uh, Jacob was out at the racetrack this weekend, Fremont. Uh, what, what all did you see going on at Fremont this past weekend? So Fremont had their end-of-the-year race, the Jim and Joanne Ford Classic. Uh, so Friday night, we saw Tim Schaefer take the victory pretty convincingly over the field. Uh, it was going to be really cool watching him and Caleb Griffith battle, but Caleb unfortunately crashed, and Tim ran away with it Friday night. And Saturday night was the big $10,000-to-win show. Uh, and some guy named Christopher Bell kind of showed up in his first night out in his own sprint car and, you know, lapped up to sixth place and won by over seven seconds after starting 13th. Uh, so Christopher Bell took home a nice $10,000 on Saturday night and just kind of dominated the field. It was uh, just an ass-whooping, really. Um, That's, that was yeah. a pretty s slick looking black and white number 21. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looks really similar to the Tarleton 21 out in California, but that was probably one of the nicest cars I have seen all year. Simple, sleek, I loved it. Awesome. And uh, then on, you said you went to some go-kart racing on Sunday, yeah. right? So earlier in the week, I had seen a conversation on Twitter between, I think, Dan McFarland and Dan McCarran talking about uh, the Clyde Grand Prix. So, And I'd wanted to go to it for a couple of years, but I'd never known when it was. So Sunday, uh, I got home from Fremont at 6 a.m. after hanging out with Brian Smith and Chris Ferda. And, uh, so I got home at 6 a.m., and I believe I was in Clyde by noon. Uh, just they had about a hundred go karts between, I think eight or ten classes, and I got to hang out in the shit cane, just watch these guys wreck, and just it was pretty cool watching them. They had no fear driving on the streets of Clyde, had the pits, you know, on all these side streets. And what I found most amazing was that the residents supported this event like crazy like the the residents 
inclined that are along the racetrack, they can't get in and are out of their house with their car all day. So they, they're supportive of this event, and they let it go on. It's Ohio's longest-running Grand Prix, actually. It's, uh, this was its 28th year. And something else that I thought was really cool is that the Clyde FFA came in at about 5 a.m. on Sunday to set up the track, which involved laying down over 3,500 straw bales all along the half-mile track. And then after the racing was over, they were going to clean it up. So definitely a huge shout-out to the residents and the FFA of Clyde for really helping this event take off. Yeah, I saw some images of that. Uh, there were a lot of bales out there, and uh, it looks like a pretty intense event. I will have to check that out next year. It's, it was definitely an event. They had so many food vendors that I could have had, but it was, it was definitely cool. I'll definitely be going back next year. Awesome. So, uh, Fremont, Fremont Clyde over the weekend, and then we saw some announcements coming out, uh, some, maybe some drivers changing their rides or getting some new opportunities. Obviously, uh, Buddy Kofoid got out in a, in, in a KKM midget last weekend. Yeah, that was, that was some pretty big news that Buddy was able to go join KKM for Friday night out in Illinois, and he won his heat, started on pole of the feature, and he led every single lap to get his first midget win. And I think uh, there's going to be more of that to come. It looks like Buddy's going to be in the KKM sprint car tonight, Wednesday, at Jacksonville. So it seems like they're going to have a pretty good alliance. Right, I saw that. Uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday. It'll roll out on Thursday. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, as he goes up against the field of outlaws tonight in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it's. I'll be watching for sure. I don't know if there's like a, a buddy watch party at the Linder's house tonight, but <laughs> it would. <laughs> I'd imagine a lot of people are going to be tuned in from this area. Right. Watch party with milkshakes. Yeah, milkshakes and juice boxes. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, any other notable driver changes that, that you've seen or that we know about yet? Uh, nothing really that I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not uh, going to ask you to talk about yeah. that. <laughs> um, um, uh, but, yeah, it's just it's been pretty quiet so far. I know there's some rumblings out on the road, and but so far it's been pretty quiet. All right. Uh, this weekend coming up at Eldora, we have the Four Crown Nationals. Uh, so there's some pretty notable drivers that are going to be making their way out for that one. Uh, I believe Rico is going to be there in a midget, if I saw that correctly this morning. And uh, did I see Selzy's coming from California? I believe so. I think Dominic's coming out. He'll be at Kokomo on Sunday, too. Yeah, so they'll bring some other drivers into uh, Ohio for the weekend and may run some other races around this event. All right, so with that being said, let's move towards our interview here. We had an opportunity to talk with the marketing director for uh, for Knoxville Speedway. Uh, on the phone today, we have uh, partially Ohio's own, Knoxville's own, uh, and working in Charlotte for the past few years, but now is relocated back to Ohio. Uh, here's our conversation with Kendra Jacobs. Okay, so today we are very excited to be on the phone with Kendra Jacobs, uh, Marketing Director for 
Knoxville Speedway and Spire Sports. Kendra, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So you guys are winding down a little bit as we all are here uh, for the racing season. Uh, are you traveling back and forth between Ohio and Knoxville at this point, or are you still in Knoxville? No, I'm actually, um, I live in Ohio during the off season. So I am back in Ohio uh, for the time being. I'll still go back and forth for some meetings, um, obviously our banquet next month, um, just to keep things going and, and stay in touch with the um, with the community out there over the off season and then move back um, in mid-April. We uh, really wanted to reach out to you and, and get you on the podcast because we are the Ohio Dirt Track Podcast and, and your racing routes uh, did begin here in Ohio. Uh, a lot of people may not know that, but did you grow up in the mid-Ohio area? Uh, tell us a little bit about where, where you came from and how you ended up going the Charlotte direction and then ultimately Knoxville. Yeah, so I was raised in Holmesville, Ohio, which is a tiny speck of a dot on a map um, in northeast Ohio. It's actually about halfway between Cleveland and Columbus and then a little east. My dad was a race car driver, Kenny Jacobs. And of course, his dad was a driver. His dad built, or his grandfather built Wayne County Speedway. My brother races, my uncle races, my cousin Cody's a crew chief. So everybody in our family is, is involved in racing or was raised in racing and just stayed in it. Um, and that's what kind of happened to me is I was spent almost every weekend going to racetracks as a child and kind of thought that that's what everyone did. I didn't understand why my friends at school weren't at the same racetracks as me because I thought everyone spent their weekends at racetracks. Um, and as I grew older, I knew I had, you know, once you get out of high school, you know your life's going to change and, and suddenly you have responsibilities and you have to make some decisions. And um, I knew that I didn't want my involvement um, in racing to end. So when I went to college, I got a degree in communications, journalism, and English and knew that I wanted to be in some kind of behind-the-scenes role in motorsports. So um, I actually went to a kart race um, back when IndyCar and kart were kind of split in Cleveland, and I was paying more attention to the people behind the scenes and what they were doing than I was to what was going on on the track, and I thought, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to do the kind of stuff that makes the event happen. So I um, went to college, got a degree, and knew Back then, um, there wasn't a lot of money in sprint car racing, even though that was my passion. So I knew it was either going to be Indianapolis or Charlotte. And about a year and a half after I graduated, I moved to Charlotte and was an assistant um, PR manager for Ricky Rudd. Ironically, um, Steve Post, who I then many, many years later hosted Wing Nation with, was the PR director for Ricky Rudd. So I started my career as Steve Post's assistant, um, and then it all just kind of spiraled from there. And you've worked with uh, tons of names. Uh, you worked with Penske Racing for a while, if that's correct. Yep. yep. So I, I started with um, Robert Yates Racing um, and Ricky Rudd and then went to uh, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated for a year and worked um, on the Pennzoil car. And then I went to um, Penske Racing with Ryan Newman and on to um, Hendrick Motorsports with Kyle Busch, Casey Mears, and ultimately Mark Martin. So um, really, really great years on the road in NASCAR and got to work with some awesome drivers. Um, Mark was definitely uh, 
hands down my favorite. And I knew when he was retiring that that was it for me too. I, I couldn't end my career on the road, so to speak, uh, with a better, more professional driver. So um, when he left, I left. You ended your NASCAR career with Mark Martin. Is that when you got back into sprint car racing, or was there like another step in between? During that time, um, I started co-hosting Wing Nation on MRN with Steve Post. Um, So that got my foot back in the door in sprint car racing. Um, And I also started doing, uh, in 2010, the 50th anniversary of the Knoxville Nationals, I did some infield reporting for their local radio station there. So that got me in the radio world, so to speak. And then MRN also was picked up by Mav TV as a Saturday morning TV show. Um, awesome stuff. Really got me back connected to the sprint car world and the drivers and teams and owners there. Um, but at the same time, I was still working with Mark Hendrick. And then when I left NASCAR, I worked for Rick Hendrick at his automotive dealership, um, Hendrick Automotive Group there in Charlotte for two years. During that time... Um, I also started working with the Jeff Gordon Children's Foundation and their Kick It program. So Kick It was a charity kickball game that raised money for children's cancer research. And we started hosting um, Kick It kickball games at the Knoxville Nationals every year. So that became a really big event. Um, In three years, I think we raised nearly, or four years, we raised nearly $300,000 for children's cancer research just at Knoxville. So it was amazing um, event to be a part of and to work with everybody um, for such a great cause. And that really, between those two things, with Wing Nation and with Kick It, um, my wheelhouse, so to speak, was really much more involved in sprint car racing by that point than it was in NASCAR. Um, I was going to races still, but not as many. I was going to almost more sprint car races a year and was much more heavily invested in sprint car racing. So I could kind of see the shift in my career going there. It was just how do you shift to that direction and still make money? I mean, sprint car racing is not corporate. There's not millions of dollars funneling through like there is in NASCAR and IndyCar. So I kind of had to find my niche. And luckily, um, Spire Sports Entertainment at the time was working with Kyle Larson. And he was talking to them about starting a sprint car team and needed someone to kind of run the PR and marketing side of his sprint car team. So I had known um, the owner of Fire Sports, Jeff Dickerson. Jeff was actually Kyle Bush's spotter when I was Kyle's PR rep. So Jeff and I had a long history, and he called me and said, you know, I know you're getting back into the sprint car world, and, you know, maybe this is something you'd want to do full-time rather than just the radio show and charity work. And we talked about it back and forth a little bit, and I moved to Spire to work on their dirt track stuff. At the time, Rico Abreu was also um, a client and getting into NASCAR, so I was working with Rico a lot, and it all just kind of spun from there. So it seems like you've really worked with the who's who of each, like, sprint car racing and NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been really, really lucky um, to work with some of the best drivers and and so many different personalities, really, that makes you even more well-rounded and the sport to know who, how to deal with um, different drivers and their needs and how they react to things. Um, that's helped me a lot, not just in racing, but in life in general. And um, I, I, I see 
every year at, at Knoxville. Now that we're there every year at Knoxville, I get to work with different drivers, um, specifically champions of the nationals. We work a lot with them on events and promotions. And um, I've been lucky. I've had four different champions in the four years I've been there. And I love that part of my job of getting to work with them and getting to know them and seeing what they're willing to do and what they're not and what things kind of make them tick. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to working with David Gravel next year um, to celebrate his championship. My real job on a day-to-day basis is talking about workforce development. And what you just kind of discussed is the way you uh, – I, I do want to go back and mention you graduated from Ashland University uh, with your marketing degree, right? Yeah, not in marketing, um, journalism, communications, and English. Okay, sorry. Yes. So yeah, it's funny because I do more marketing now than probably anything else. uh, But no, my degree was not in marketing. Right, I I have a music degree, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I probably do more you know marketing and presentations now than I than I ever dreamed I would. But you know that winding road. If you're talking to a 15 year old or a 16 year old who is very passionate about whether it's sprint cars or if it's if it's football or another sport or music or or something that they want to find a way they can create a career in, uh, what what would what's your best advice there? It's really finding, I think, what makes you motivated. Because I mean, you don't want to get in any job and say like, "Well, I'm just doing this to collect a paycheck." I, I think that's like the definition of misery. Um, so for me, it's like I, I had been exposed to racing the whole time as, as the daughter of a driver, and I was in the pit area the whole time. It took that kart race in Cleveland for me to be exposed to all of the different jobs behind the scenes that make that event happen. Um, that's what made me suddenly motivated, if that makes sense. That, that's what gave me, okay, this is my purpose and my plan. Um, and I think in any career that anyone goes into, you have to find that. Um, it's what's going to make you good at your job. If you're just going in there and, and clocking in and clocking out and getting a paycheck, you're going to reach your probably minimum potential. But if you find that thing that really makes you tick and the thing you think about when you can't sleep at 5 a.m., that's what's going to motivate you to be really, really successful at what you do. And I think everybody should be so blessed to find that and, and have the opportunity to take risks to find that. And that's been fascinating for me to learn. You know, I I saw you on Wing Nation, and and now where you are. And I remember seeing a uh, an interview with you several years ago, where you said our goal, uh, one of our goals, was to sell out the Knoxville Nationals, if I remember that correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that has occurred multiple years now. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so two years now, we've sold out the Nationals. Um, which was definitely our number one goal is uh, let's get this race sold out and show people um, what we're all about. Like show people how amazing this race or this, this racetrack and event is. Um, and we've done that. Um, this year we were sold out by about six o'clock and next year's the 60th annual Knoxville nationals. And I expect it to get sold out even sooner. Um, lots and lots and lots of international fans come in when it's a, when it's a, you know, quote unquote, anniversary event. So um, the interest level is extremely high for next year. I see tickets uh, selling out much quicker. Our our next goal, you know, people are like, so are you going to build an add-on bleachers? And and no, we have no interest in adding seats. I mean, I think one of the, the, the depths of selling out 
is adding more seats. And one of the ways you make an event popular is supply and demand. And if people know this event sells out, they buy tickets sooner and it becomes a musty event. If you add bleachers, then it's not selling out. And it's like, okay, well, we'll just get our tickets again when we get there. And the hype is gone. And um, I love that there's this hype of on December 2nd at 12.01 a.m., I'm getting online to get my tickets. Um, and there's this like dire urgency now, which I love to see. And, you know, my goal is not to add more seats and add more people. My goal now is to try to get Friday closer to a sellout. Um, and then if that ever happens, which I would be so amazed and happy, if that ever happens, now I want to get Thursday and Wednesday closer to a sellout. So those are things um, we really work on for the 410 Nationals is how to create this urgency and this desire and need to be there. Um, and another big event for us is the, the Lucas Oil Late Model Nationals in September. That's our, even though we are, quote, unquote, the sprint car capital of the world, the Late Model Nationals is our second highest attended event of the year. And that, that event um, has so much potential. And I can see us getting, you know, five, 6,000 more fans if we can get the right pieces and the puzzle put together. Um, I think there's some things working against us for that event, but it's things we're working on and we're always looking at and how to make changes and improve it. And that, that event um, is sticking with me as, as a, a major opportunity to be better. This year at the uh, Knoxville Nationals, David Ravel had the corporate Exalta sponsor come on board. How important do you think it was that you know, there was so much excitement and so much hype about the Knoxville Nationals that maybe lured them into sponsoring for that event. And maybe, you know, the Knoxville Nationals plays a part in getting more corporate sponsors involved in sprint car racing again. Well, I think something we've seen is just um, how much more interest there is um, in what I would call, you know, the big um, motorsports series like IndyCar and NASCAR, the interest level in what's going on in sprint car racing has extremely increased, not just from sponsors, but from executives, teams, drivers, fans. Um, and I think we owe the vast majority of that to people like Kyle Larson, Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Casey Kane. When those guys use their platform to talk about how amazing sprint car racing is or a certain event like the Knoxville Nationals is, that is something that we can't go out and buy. And they're sitting there doing it just for their love of the sport. That has opened up the eyes of a lot of people. I mean, you look at some of our sponsors at, at Knoxville, and they've come on board because of, of, of their NASCAR partners, and they've looked at what we've done and said, we need to be there. You know, we're, we're in this NASCAR world, but we need to get back into grassroots world and get these people, these salt-of-the-earth race fans, on board with us and not just the NASCAR IndyCar super fans. So I've seen a lot of that momentum and a lot of that shifting. I think Jeff bringing Exalta on this year was really, really big and important for our sport. Um, it obviously helps that they won in their first time ever on a car. So like, how can they ever top that? Right. But uh, they saw the passion of race fans and they saw that kind of go um, viral and um, I was impressed. You know, I don't get a, a lot of time during the Nationals to read the Internet or social media or what coverage we're getting. So I kind of do that in the days after the event. And NASCAR.com had an article about the Knoxville Nationals every day. And that kind of crossover is something that 
I hope to see more of. I am greatly, greatly thankful for their support of dirt track racing. I hope they feel that dirt track racing um, supports them back. And I think that those are the kind of partnerships we need to see more of. That win this year got a mention on ESPN Sports Center. Yeah, ten. Crazy. I mean, that <laughs> that was probably the news piece that I was the most excited about. Like the PR geek side of me really came out. Um, you know, we we actually we got number ten in the top ten, which I booked, dude. I'll take it. You know, if we were ten point five. I'd be so disappointed, but we got ten. And um, you know, a lot of the focus on David winning, but also on Logan Schuhart's crazy impressive run to a runner-up finish and it's really cool you know i think i was excited for knoxville but i was more excited for those guys you know they're young and and to get this big plug on espn a network they've probably been watching since they were kids i mean that's just so cool and i hope to give or to somehow give those kind of experiences or that kind of coverage to more of these drivers that definitely deserve it uh, one of the one of the things that I am very passionate about sprint car racing is I, I watched the the Twitter exchange uh, that, that David Gravel had when when that came out and finally found video of it posted it and and I was watching that unfold and I was thinking these these guys love this <laughs> like this is how much they love their sport they're genuinely so excited that they're getting this exposure. Uh, not just for themselves, but for the event and for the sport. Uh, and that's amazing to watch. It's a, and it's amazing to be a fan of, too. So. It is. I mean, this, these guys, and, and, you know, there's there's good things about social media and there's bad things about social media. <laughs> right. um, but I think, truthfully, they're finding ways to utilize those platforms to reach more people. And the more people they reach and the more people they connect with, the more people we're going to see in those grandstands. So their passion is what we're all seeing. And now it's getting exposed to so many more people. And I love to see the drivers take it upon themselves to reach out to fans and to get out there and, and engage with these race fans that really are what make this sport happen. Um, I wish more of them would do it, but the ones that are are doing it so well. Um, I don't think they realize the influence they're having on our fans and especially our young fans. What does a typical race week at Knoxville look like for you, Kendra? Ooh, um, so basically it's just getting anything turned over. So all of the signage from the last race that comes down, um, each, each of our weekends, even our small like Saturday weekly shows have sponsors. So the last, Sponsors come down. The new sponsor signage goes up. Um, I work with whoever that sponsor is that week quite a bit going into their race week about their announcements and videos they want us to show and social media posts and any kind of offers they have that they want us to get out there. Um, then it's, you know, making sure the sponsor suites are all cleaned up and ready to go. And, um, you know, the property itself is all cleaned up and ready to go. Is anyone using any of our hospitality buildings? Is, um, I'm trying to think of everything that we just kind of go into that week. Do you, are the trophies there and ready? Are the announcements ready? Are the video, you know, we are lucky to have two giant impact signs video boards. So is every, all the content for the video boards ready? Have you talked to your pay-per-view programming? Is everything ready on that end? Um, so you do all of this each week, but we work on the, on the NOS energy drink, Knoxville nationals all year. So every day, of each race week is also somewhat focused on that event too. So you, you kind of got to juggle 
a regular weekly show with the um, the setup and planning for your biggest show of the year. So all of that goes on uh, each week, and there are some weeks that are bigger and more detailed depending on your sponsor, and there are some weeks that I call super easy weeks, and those give me more time to concentrate on our bigger events. So each week is different. Each day is different, which I love about my job. Um, but it's 100% focused, you know, especially my job is 100% focused on the fan experience. And if the sponsors are happy, they'll keep coming back. And if the sponsors keep coming back, then that gives us the uh, additional income to keep doing fan-focused events and specials and promotions, uh, which is my absolute favorite part of my job. And um, that's the kind of stuff that I, that I really enjoy working on each week is, okay, what can I do this week to make this Saturday more fun than last Saturday? What can I do to get the fans even more engaged and, and excited to be here? So I'm always challenging myself to come up with new ideas. Um, but, but again, when I look at my job, that's probably my favorite part of it. So I, I do want to say for you right here that even though you talk about taking signage down, you're going to reuse that signage again. <laughs> Don't yes. think just because it's coming down means it's going in the trash. It's paid for by a sponsor, for a sponsor, and they're going to reuse it. So fans, just remember that. Uh, and um, yeah. <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> uh, and on the other side of that, one of the things that I have been fascinated by with the Knoxville Nationals and some of the events are, you know, you've got a 5K, you got a cornhole tournament, you're juggling concerts and interviews, interview sessions and autograph sessions. How many people does it take to make all of those things happen across the week? Uh, I mean, because you can only be in one place at one time. Uh, what's what's the team like to make all that that go down? Yeah, I mean, for the 410 Nationals, my department alone doubles in size, um, thankfully, because it might not be a lot of difficult work, but it's definitely we need more hands, <laughs> and we have to get you know somebody in each location and. Um, and make sure that everybody's where they need to be to, to just execute the events that we have planned. Um, the staff at the track, um, I believe the last time we talked, it increases to around 350 people that week. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot from security to um, concessions to officials to the marketing and PR department to ticket sellers. Um, it, it is a lot of people to go into making a four-day event happen, and I am thankful for each and every one of those people. So you mentioned before you come back to Ohio after Knoxville's done racing for the year, and you were actually at the rescheduled Brad Doty Classic at Attica and the Rick Song slash Pete Jacobs Memorial at Wayne County. So as you go to these races as a fan, what do you look for at Attica and Wayne County or even with the series or tracks, whatever, that you can maybe bring back to Knoxville? Well, I think um, I look at things differently. It's, it's funny. I'll talk to people I work with, and they're like, well, how is the track surface? And I'm like, I don't look at that. I don't know. <laughs> um, I look at what is their signage like? Uh, what kind of signage do they use? Is it metal? Is it chloroplast? Is it banners? You know, how are they hung? Is that the way? Should we be changing how we do things? Um, I look at 
uh, how would I improve things? Like, is the location of the bathroom the ideal place? What, what are your concession offerings? And you have enough windows open where you don't have long lines. Um, those are the kind of things. How is parking? Parking is I look at a lot because um, I think those kind of things make a huge difference from a fan enjoyment aspect. And if fans enjoy their time with you, they're coming back. And I think that's what every track wants, right? Like that's your ultimate goal. So those are the kinds, of, the type of things I look at. Um, I do, I'm a, gosh, John McCoy would tell you how annoying I am at this, but I am very strict about when a race ends or the length of a show. If we can have a late night, it drives me insane. I cannot stand to see fans leaving um, before the A main or to see kids falling asleep on their parents' laps. I, that's probably the biggest thing I watch in a race is why are we late? Why are we starting late? Why are we behind? Why aren't the heat races over yet? What is going on? And um, luckily, our social media manager keeps track of all timing, like every time a green flag is thrown, every time a red flag, every time a caution, and he gives me times on all of that stuff. Um, so I do watch that at tracks, like how quick did the show go? And if it went by fast, why was that? Did they not have many red flags? Are they just really, really good at cleanup after, after accidents? Um, I pay a lot, probably too much attention to that. Um, but that is my biggest pet peeve in the sport is just assuming because people love racing that they love being there till midnight because that is not the case. So... I probably watch that the most when I go to other tracks. Even when I'm watching on Dirt Vision or watching Race Monitor, I am always looking at the t excuse me the time of the event and, and you know oh good they got done early enough where you know all the fans can go into the grand or the pit area and meet the drivers and so that's the kind of stuff I watch a lot when I go to other tracks. The older I get, the more important that is to me as a fan. I was the kid falling asleep at the dirt track when I was six or seven in the bleachers, but now that I'm over 40, uh, that's important to me, you know? And when I take my kids, I want them to be able to, I don't want them to be saying, let's go, let's go, I want to go home. I want to be able to, you know, experience the whole thing as a family. So uh, as a fan, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, and it's funny because people would assume that we – paid attention more when we were kids, but it's not that way. We pay attention to it more now that we're adults. Right. And we know Saturdays and Sundays are not relaxation days anymore. I mean, parents have so much to go to with their kids. And if your kids are involved in any sports, Sunday is not a day of rest. You might have soccer starting at 8 a.m. So we know that there's a lot of options for families to do all weekend, and we have to make our option the best one. Looking into uh, looking into 2020, I know everything just wrapped, but uh, you know you're, you mentioned working to, to grow the Lucas Oil uh, Nationals in Knoxville, uh, and then obviously you know continuing trying to sell. One of the goals is sell out Friday night at the at the 410 Nationals. Anything uh, anything that you're working on, you know, brand new uh, for the regular weekly 305s? Anything that you you know wanted to bring up on the on the podcast before we wrap up? Well, I think um, our schedule actually looks very similar. There's going to be a, a date change for the Corn Belt Nationals, which is our non-wing sprint car newest nationals event. Um, so we now have four nationals events um, throughout our season. So those are our biggies. Um, we're working on a date change for that that we haven't quite announced yet, but is coming. Um, and other than that, you know, every year I try to find something that, that adds to the off-track experience and 
one of the things that really hits me is, you know, we're Saturday racetrack. People, you know, most people aren't working. How can we create a tailgate culture at the track? So the fun can kind of last longer than come out, hang out with their race fans before the races, um, drink some awesome bush lights and just chill out. So we're kind of working on some plans around that and seeing um, how we can maybe try to get that culture going. But other than that, a lot of the things are going to stay the same. You know, that the junior fan club party is going to get ramped up a little bit, hopefully, um, in 2020. And just working with uh, with some drivers. Uh, I'll start working with David Gravel once the season kicks off on some fun things to do during the Nationals week uh, that will involve him. I mean, the lucky things that the champion gets to do. So those are the kind of things we're working on right now. There's nothing really giant or off the wall, so to speak, but um, always looking for ideas. I, I try to tell fans all the time that if you have an idea of something you want to see us do or try at Knoxville, you know, tweet it to me, email it to me. My email address is everywhere. Um, send me what you want us to do. And, you know, I always say to myself, if it's something we can do, meaning it's physically possible and we have the uh, income or the, the revenue to do it, then why wouldn't we try it? And an example of that is we had people after last year's or the 2018 nationals ask if we could add yoga um, during nationals, which sounds insane, right? I thought it was crazy, but it was something we easily could do. So we hosted yoga uh, three mornings of the Knoxville nationals this year on the rooftop of the Brian Clawson suite tower. And um, on Friday, Thursday, when I was there, there were 51 people on that roof doing yoga. I love that. Not, not only are we going to do yoga, but we're going to do it on the roof of we the Brian Clausen Sweet Powers. <laughs> and it was beautiful. Uh, I have had some people ask if we could up it to uh, goat yoga next year, but uh, I'm a little worried about goats jumping off the building, so that's probably what's <laughs> happening. Um, so, it, I mean, it's stuff like that that, you know, no matter how off the wall, I appreciate the suggestions and the ideas and um, – I, wel I welcome them from everybody. Awesome. Well, we look forward to see what uh, 2020 brings. Uh, you know, we, uh, we are, we've seen the evidence already of your work. We know that it's going to uh, be bigger and better, um, and it's already great. So well, uh, Knoxville is on my personal bucket list. I haven't made it yet, but I have plans to go in 2020. Good. Um, yeah, you need to get out there. Next year's going to be a – oh, my gosh, I completely – yeah, next year's a big one. Like, we do have big stuff planned for next year. Right. I completely <laughs> forgot about the 60th. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working on some major ways to celebrate the history of the Knoxville Nationals next year. And, you know, it's going to take some involvement from past winners and past owners. So if I can convince some of these guys to uh, come back to Knoxville for a week, I think we're going to see some really cool things. Well, once you get the once the planning gets rolling and some things get concreted, we will uh, we'll get back on the phone with you and, and talk about what's what's going to definitely be coming up at the at the 2020 Knoxville Nationals. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, we have a huge support area out of Ohio, and you know, when I get our ticket reports, it's always fun to see that there's this huge conglomerate of Ohio fans coming to Knoxville every year. So I appreciate the passion of Ohio race fans, and appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We um, we appreciate what you do for uh, for dirt track racing in general, not just sprint, you know sprint cars. I, 
I know we always tend to, to lean that way, even though we did jump over into the late model conversation on the podcast earlier this year. Uh, we appreciate what you have done uh, for the sport in general uh, over the years and, and your family as well. The Pete Jacobs Award was always an incredible event. And uh, we, we appreciate the, what you guys have done for Ohio uh, dirt track racing. Well, thank you, guys, and uh, enjoy this beautiful weather while we still have it. Yes. And, uh, and, and keep pushing and promoting uh, the sport of sprint car racing. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Great conversation there with Kendra Jacobs. It's always good to talk to the people that are behind the curtain and hear a little bit about what it takes to, to make these races happen and, and what they're thinking about uh, as they put the shows on. Uh, for us fans, we'd certainly appreciate her time. And it sounds like we've got, as far as the 410 Nationals go, we have a lot to look forward to in 2020, Jacob. Oh, yeah. The Nationals are always something to look forward to. But with this year being the 60th annual, and uh, if you lead a lap, you get $1,000. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on this year. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a huge event. And as she mentioned, you know, they're continuing to grow the, the Lucas Oil late model nationals out there as well, as well as their regular 305 shows have a really good draw. And uh, I can't wait to get out there in 2020. Uh, I'm, if, if I can't get tickets for the nationals, I'm going to go see something and because I want to get to Knoxville and, and experience it. So, And hopefully you'll go with me, Jacob. I'm hoping. I think nationals are going to be on the docket next year for sure. I don't know what I don't know what racing trip I'm going to have to get rid of, but Knoxville Nationals will be will be on the agenda next year. It'll be one of those where uh, you stay up till midnight, uh, everything logged in on the site, trying to get ready to buy tickets so you can get them before they sell out. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, as we as we mentioned, Four Crown Nationals coming up this weekend. Uh, get out and, and see some racing here in Ohio. Uh, There's going to be a a lot of it going on at Eldora. And uh, as usual, please uh, give us a like. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you give us a rating there uh, so that we can uh, be exposed to more people. We appreciate you tuning in to the Ohio Dirt Track Podcast, and and we ask that you you share it with with your friends. We are still in partnership with St. Pete District Studio. We appreciate Robin, uh, who's uh, pushing the buttons and pulling the levers and, and making us sound as good as we do week to week. Uh, re- please reach out to Robin at RobinRecorder uh, at gmail.com if you're interested in uh, creating an advertisement, starting a podcast, recording an album, uh, whatever it is that you need to do. Uh, they are there for you. So thank you for tuning in uh, for over for 23 episodes now. We've been at this for a little while, Jacob. Just a little bit. Yeah, we've, you know, May around there. Learned a lot, 23 episodes, 20 different interviews. Uh, talked to a lot of people that I never dreamed I'd be able to uh, get on the phone with or, or talk to in person, and it's it's a lot of fun, and we're going to keep on keeping on. So even though the off season's coming up, uh, don't count us out because we're going to keep talking to uh, racing personalities and keep bringing you as much news and interesting interviews as we can. So, as always, thank you for tuning in, and get out, get dirty, and support your local tracks.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 